welcome to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about our one reality. You have nothing to fear. You are eternal and you are perfectly loved. Knowing the truth changes everything. Now, here's Roberta. Welcome to Seek Reality. I'm Roberta Grimes and I'm so happy you're with us today. When I first read the really terrific book that came, first of all, from today's guest, I was stunned by his bravery, to be frank. Mark Gober is with us today for the sixth time. And Mark started out as buttoned down as you can imagine. He's a Princeton graduate, a tennis champion, a Silicon Valley investment banker originally. And then he learned what you and I know, that consciousness is the source of reality. And he wrote... A, a wonderful book. I love this book. It's called An End to Upside Down Thinking, Dispelling the Myth that the Brain Produces Consciousness and the Implications for Everyday Life. Here is a man who came across, I guess, somewhere, a bottle of red pills, and he swallowed the whole bottle. He followed that terrific book with An End to Upside Down Living, Reorienting Our Consciousness to Live Better and Save the Human Species. And that was another really great book. But then Mark's third book was An End to Upside Down Liberty, Turning Traditional Political Thinking on Its Head to Break Free from Enslavement. And since we don't do politics on Seek Reality, we had to take a pass on that one. But his fourth book was right up our alley. It was called An End to Upside Down Contact, UFOs, Aliens, and Spirits, and Why Their Ongoing Interaction with Human Civilization Matters. Mark has done a bit more with politics since then, which is also not what, what, our, what we really do here. I'm sorry. I would Actually, I'd love to dip in there a little bit, but we have to sort of stay in our lane. But I asked if he could come back and do a little bit more with with little green men instead of because I just I actually I I like having him as a guest. Let's be really frank. I really enjoy Mark. So he's back here today for the sixth time. Mark, welcome. I'm so happy to have you here with us again. Hi, Roberta. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to the conversation as always. <laughs> Um, let's first talk about what your what your next book is. Let's tell you tell us what the title is and tell us what it's about. Are we we're talking about the more political one briefly or the contact? Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, go well, right ahead. Very, tell us sure, what you did. Sure. So the book's called An End to the Upside Down Reset. And I look at the World Economic Forum's Great Reset, which is the vision for society that has been laid out in books and speeches. Um, and I give a critique of it. Um, and in some ways, it relates to the conversation today about contact, because ultimately, I'm trying to figure out who are we? What are we doing here? Why does life matter? And also, are there other energies in this reality that we can't always see with our eyes that are influencing the world? So when I look at world events, I'm always wondering, well, what are the types of energies that are influencing people? So that was maybe the, the impetus for even wanting to look at this question. Okay, so there is there really is a great reset they're trying to do. Yes, and in 2020, June 2020, the leader of the World Economic Forum and one of his colleagues wrote a book called COVID-19, The Great Reset, and it lays out 
uh, many different areas of society, and I have a chapter on each one. One is the cultural uh, aspirations, political, economic, environmental, technological, and then also metaphysical. And this relates more to your show. I think the Great Reset lacks a spiritual revolution, which I think is the most important one, but that's not the way they're talking. It's much more of a materialistic mindset, even though it's not explicit. It's it, To me, it's a major omission. Oh, big time. <laughs> I, yeah, if they're not luck, not looking at um, humankind's spiritual side, then they're ignoring what really the only the only thing that matters about humanity, which is spiritual. Yes, and and one okay. other issue I want to mention, Roberta, because I think you're the only interviewer who's brought this up with regard to my second book, An End to Upside Down Living. I talked about ten approaches to living life, and one of them was compassion with discernment, meaning not to just have blind compassion, but to know. Um, so one of the example I gave in that book was a woman who had basically a Kundalini awakening. She was experiencing unconditional love all the time. And she met a man and let him into her home. And he ended up manipulating her. And she said her life was hell. And she couldn't discern at the time because for her, everything was love. And in a sense, this new book, An End to the Upside Down Reset, is looking at compassion with discernment, where things that sound good and sound like they're loving aren't always the case. Right. Very important. Critically important. And, and I, I, what I, my, I guess, how do I put this? My most recent book, which is called The Fun of Loving Jesus, Embracing the Christianity that Jesus Taught, deals kind of with the same thing. Because one of the things that Christianity, as it's presently practiced, does is to altogether ignore the teachings of Jesus as they are set forth in the gospels, because people can't really handle the Christianity that Jesus taught, which is, it, it actually is discernment in love. It's, it's unconditional love with discernment. Um, I think that may be why I picked up on what you were talking about, because Jesus taught that too. Um, mm. Unconditional love requires discernment. Otherwise you're just a blithering idiot. <laughs> um and, and 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 he taught that but it's very hard to do um and and we'll we'll, we'll talk about that another time i i think that we we ought to have you back again just specifically to talk about that because um jesus taught it and we, we uh, there's a there's a website which we are working on now um called teachingsbyjesus.com and we're we are um that's one of going to be one of the major focuses of that website because mm. until you really dig into that you really don't understand what Jesus taught at all. So, I did not wow. realize that angle. Wow. Yeah, because really you know it is a an end to the upside down reset my new book is in many ways political um uh, or or sociological but it, it the reason I wrote it uh I think maybe stems from that issue is that I was seeing both in myself and others a desire to always be compassionate and go towards things that sound really good, but then not always asking the next question. Well, is this thing that I that sounds good? Is it going to do good in the world? And that That's next right. level exactly of analysis right. is lacking sometimes. Exactly right. Oh, how profound! I never understood that about your book. Maybe it would be good if you send it to me after all in PDF, so I, I could I could dig into it that way. Sure. Maybe we could do an interview about it after all. Okay. Oh, wonderful. Okay. Well, let's <laughs> let's dig in to what we were, we're going, to, going to talk about today, and maybe we could make that the topic next time. That will be wonderful. Sounds good. All right. Well, then let's talk about let's talk about the spooky, weird, fun stuff today. Then, 
So what, what, one of the things that gets me about you is that you are totally fearless when it comes to looking at things that many people, many people have a lane and it's a, it's a sort of mental lane and they stay in it. What was it that first got you out of your lane? Hmm. Can you remember? Yes, I, I can. But then I think, well, what led to that moment? And there were probably many events that led to it. But uh, the initial moment was I heard a podcast in 2016 that opened my eyes to new possibilities. And ironically, I'm being interviewed on this woman's podcast later today. Her name's Laura Powers. And she was being interviewed on a health show called Extreme Health Radio. And she was talking about her psychic abilities. So I was listening to a health show, not looking for spiritual issues. I was just just listening to podcasts at the time. And Laura talked about her own life and how her life changed and was turned upside down when she started to allow in uh, other dimensional spirits. And then she began advising clients using these spirits. And it was just, I heard her speaking in a very genuine manner about things that sounded totally insane. So it was, <laughs> it was right. enough for me, because at the time, Roberta, I was... To, to diagnose myself in hindsight, I was a materialist. I thought life right. was random and meaningless. Uh -huh. And I was, that that's what I thought I was learning from science. And I, the older I got at, the, at that point, I was more convinced of that. And then I was being exposed to this new information. So I said, okay, this is interesting. It wasn't like my life changed in that moment, but I ended up listening to Laura's podcast, which is called Healing Powers. And she's interviewed many guests that have had similar experiences. I'm sure you've interviewed many of the same people she has. But for yeah. me, that was totally new. Like, I couldn't believe there was this other world of people who came from different backgrounds who had these other dimensional experiences or synchronicities or psychic phenomena. So that cascaded into my researching all of this stuff as much as I could. I wanted to read books and read scientific papers. And here we are today, long story short. Yeah, wow. <laughs> well, the, the difference then between you and most people is that you follow these threads where they lead you which is courageous and bold uh, and remarkable about you. Um, although you probably don't have a choice. You probably have to when, you're, when your curiosity is peaked that way. Yeah, it feels that way. It feels like there's no choice. The alternative yes. to not doing this would just be a lot of anxiety probably and feeling yes. like I'm not fulfilling something. And I think that I was there before this 2016 event. There were lots of things in my life where I felt like I was on a treadmill personally, professionally. I, I just, I was very much lost. I was in the zombie state. And maybe that's why I was starting to listen to podcasts because I was looking for interests outside of work, which was really consuming my life. I was so dedicated yeah. to what I was doing. And my, this initial exploration in 2016 was a fundamentally rethinking my worldview. What, what is this place that we're in? If there are things we can't see, are there aspects within ourself that, that are not realized in many people, uh, potential, human potential? So I've been driven by very fundamental questions from the beginning. And I think my, my future work after my first book even is still along this, the same vein. What is actually going on in this universe that we're in? Yes. And I've, I've looked at it through different angles. Yes. And isn't it exciting when you learn something new? Doesn't isn't it wonderful that when something new opens up and and it, and you and it gets fit together with other things you already know? Isn't that doesn't it feel miraculous to to learn new things that way? It's it's miraculous. My own experience is maybe some of the most convincing evidence to me that there is a supernormal because it's happened so quickly where I've been exposed to so many new issues and then have been putting them in books in a in a manner that's felt 
too seamless to just be happening randomly. No, right. It's, it is, it's just so beautiful and wonderful. And it's like, there are puzzles and you find this piece and it fits into the puzzle and all the edges fit together that, that, and, and if you hadn't made it fit in that, just in the way that it did, somehow the universe wouldn't have been right. And suddenly that puzzle fits and the universe all works better because you made that puzzle fit. I've had that feeling so many times in my life. And it's, it's, I can't, it's, it's addictive. It's like a drug. I just love that feeling. And I've had it again just this week. I, I, I made a puzzle fit in the life of Jesus. I can't tell you what an exciting thing that is. I wake up in the middle of the night because I can't sleep through a whole night. I've got to make more puzzles fit. <laughs> I can relate to this. Okay. Yeah. So do you know what I mean? I mean, this is, I feel sorry for people who don't get this in their lives. It's so beautiful, this feeling that you and I both have, that we can do this work. And there's also an unfolding process that I'm now able to, I'm able to identify it as it's happening. Whereas when I first started, I didn't know what was going on. I was just learning new information, but it's almost like a Polaroid picture that is developing. And in the beginning, I'm just learning facts about different things that I didn't know about. And I don't know where they fit in exactly. But the more I look, the more I see the puzzle fitting, the puzzle piece fitting into something much larger. And it's that feels very miraculous when it comes later in the process. That's right, because you've 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 got more puzzle pieces to fit in. The puzzle is coming together more. That's what's happening in the beginning. There are too many, too many holes. You, you don't know where puzzle pieces are going to fit in. But there but the puzzle is coming together now. That's, yes. that's because you've done this work for so long. Oh, I, I mean, I know how you feel about it. And I don't understand why more people are not on this trip because it's the best trip there is in life. <laughs> it really is. And the, the only thing I feel bad about for you is that you'll never are never going to stop doing it because, frankly, the puzzle is so gigantic that you never will find all the pieces. But <laughs> believe me, there are a lot more to find. That's but anyway, let's, yeah. let's, let's, get, let's sort of find a place and find more pieces and fit more pieces in. So, so um, all right, with, with the, the, the list that I have here of things I wanted to talk about today is pretty long. All right. So, so what, what is it that you're working on now? I, are you still working on the, 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 some of the elements that you were working on when you, when you were working on, on the, the book that we, that this, this third book, uh, in the end into upside down contact, are you still working on elements of that book? I think it's ongoing. All five of the books, there are elements that I'm still looking at, but I don't, I'm in this strange phase, which happens after each book that's written and published because the new book was just published a few weeks ago where I'm, I don't know exactly what's next. And I'm still following threads that felt incomplete from the other books. There's a lot that I still feel is incomplete from the contact exploration, but I don't know where all this is going to lead me. I was trying to find the notes that I had made at the end of that book that when, when we were talking about it. Um, because, I mean, I what I can't remember is, did, was our conversation ever conclusive with regard to um, contact with extraterrestrials? I mean, I, I do remember we talked about the fact that the greys are organic robots. I mean, that was my conclusion. <laughs> I think it was yours as well. I remember talking about that with you. Yeah, I think we, we might have left it open-ended. I mean, my view in the book is that we are not alone and there seems to be a broad range of uh, beings that exist in this dimension and in other dimensions, um, other planets. So 
there we're not alone and there are intelligent species out there. For me, the big question is, what do they really want from this planet? How does humanity fit into it? And why is it so covert? I mean, many people do have experiences, whether it's in a near-death state or in a psychedelic state, or they have a UFO encounter, but it's not part of the mainstream accepted narrative because it is still somewhat covert. So why is that? Very the case? covert, yes. The, 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 what, what we are told, the, the people that that um, I am sort of in contact with and know things because because my, my whole interest has, has been death-related uh, in one way or another. And we're told that, you know, number one, the greys are organic robots. Number two, it's very covert because we're considered to be very dangerous and also very precious. Now, dangerous and precious is a basically a dangerous combination. Nobody wants to harm us, but there are people who want to study us. And we're told that we're being pr protected by a race of protected, perfected beings called the Arcturians and that they're keeping up with us from being harmed by beings who would harm us. Uh, that there are some beings that are very negative beings who would like to milk us for negativity because they feed on that. And the Arcturians are preventing that, are protecting us from being milked for negativity. Um, oh, and I don't know much about it other than that, that the that the big triangular ships that are occasionally spotted are, are supposed to be kept um, cloaked but occasionally the cloaking isn't perfect, and so they can be spotted. And they have been spotted. I mean, there are pictures of them. People mm -hmm. people occasionally see them. Um, but the Arcturians keep themselves very much hidden. And that now, I don't know much more than that. Now, I wonder if what I'm going to talk about next relates to this. So in, in the contact book, I talk about this phenomenon of the UFO sightings at nuclear weapons facilities. Yes. And there was a man named Robert Hastings who wrote a 600-page book called UFOs and Nukes. And this was published in 2017. Um, he, <clears throat> excuse me, he's spoken with over 150 officials at these facilities who say that there have been sightings. And then accompanying those sightings of crafts is uh, something goes wrong with the, with the electronics at the nuclear weapons facility, like the machines are turned on outside of their will. So they become very panicked because now a nuclear weapons about to be detonated and then it turns off and other times it's turned off against their will. So um, there people have speculated that this could be a form of intervention where the, these advanced beings are saying, look, don't play with fire. Yes. 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 We, we are also told that one of the, one of the biggest alarms was when we actually used nuclear weapons in anger they they did not expect we would actually do that um, in the Second World War. Uh, when we did that, the the decision was made at a very high level that we would never be allowed actually to use a nuclear weapon in war, and that there has been a lot of intervention that has happened since then to make sure that that didn't happen. Um, there are reports of um, weapons of tests that were uh, um, there would be a, a uh, something fired from out of nowhere that would intervene in a in a test firing of something um, there would be other case there were there were cases where um, that there, there was a false alarm in Russia we all many people know about this and some guy in Russia had like a few literally a few minutes to either retaliate 
and start World War III with a nuclear World War III or assume that it was a false alarm. He assumed it was a false alarm and it was indeed a false alarm. There are various things like that have happened. And you're just, you just talked about another one. Um, they, they, they are intervening. And this, this is actually a spiritual um, intervention and not, not in any sense, a, a physical or even a, a, um, Perhaps, uh, perhaps they're working with the Arcturians because the Arcturians are very spiritual beings. Um, but, but, th- but yes, that's exactly what seems to be going on. It's remarkable when you think about it that we've not had a, a nuclear war in the seventy odd years since World War II ended, and it it appears to be this that this is a, a decision that was made at a very high spiritual level. Um, and and I've come to rely on it to tell you the truth. But we're told that that was what the, the was the decision the decision that was made. And at the time, um, there were a number of quite a, quite a lot of people actually who came in who are now working um, on, on Earth to uh, rather desperately to jumpstart the spiritual development of hum, of humankind. Uh, many people who are now doing this work were born right around that time. And I am one of those people. And um, other people, Craig Hogan is another of those people. We are all about the same age. Hmm. And we have been told that we are among the people who were born, who were, were deliberately, who basically signed up to try to jumpstart a human development. I don't know if any of this is true, but that's where we—that's what we've been told, and um, we'll see. We'll see if it all works. But this seems to be a concerted effort to to turn humanity around. It feels that way. It feels like we're going through some kind of a shift. And what I always keep in mind, I try to. At one level, I think reality is is ultimately benevolent. Like in the near-death experience, people talk about unconditional love. That's what they they can't put it into words. exactly. And other people talk about this in other states of consciousness too. So it seems to me, for other reasons as well, that that that's the nature of reality at the core level. But then we live in this world where there's Mark and Roberta, and at some level we're separate. We have an individual mind, and we're, we're all unique and different. And you have the polarity on earth where you have some really good things and saintly things, and you have some really dark things. So what I'm always trying to reconcile in my mind is this paradox of the ultimate seeming benevolence of the universe with this duality, the dark and the light that exists too. Well, but we come into this, these very brief lives specifically to experience the negativity that's here because you can't experience you experience this kind of negativity beyond this reality. When when you when you die, you go into a very very loving um, afterlife, mm-hmm. and you can't. You do, basically you don't get this negativity anywhere but here. This is we come here to get the negativity. That's the point. The trouble is that um, for various reasons, the te- negativity of of the of this planet has sunk so low that we're in a danger zone and and we're, they're they're trying to basically turn it turn it around and make it come just high enough that we're out of the danger zone but not high enough that it's no longer useful as a place to grow spiritually but let's see if we can make it happen you're reminding me of a quotation from the poet Wallace Stevens he said death is the mother of beauty <laughs> 
<laughs> that's lovely. That's yeah, true. Actually. I think it's relevant to, to what you're describing. Yeah. Because this is a real paradox from, I know for me, but for a lot of people is to try to understand the negativity in the context of something benevolent. And I think what you described can reconcile it. Yeah, perhaps. I don't know, but perhaps. But it, but it is, it is, in some ways, it really is a paradox. But the, the, we, the things we are told, and we're just told enough, it's sort of like they dangle these, these little facts in little places. And, and I, for a long time, I'm so skeptical by nature. And for a long time, I didn't believe these things. But having watched little pieces of validation of the things we've been told for our whole lives and having seen in, that it's been true for so long that we haven't had a nuclear war that they have they have you know we've we've been by the skin of our teeth saved from so many negative things that could have happened and barely they didn't happen i've come to rely on it i've come to rely on the possibility that maybe we will be saved from disaster yet again each time in December of 2020, a former Israeli space security chief talked about a galactic federation. And he commented at the time, um, this was in NBC News, that they, these beings, have been waiting until today for humanity to develop and reach a stage where we will understand all of this other stuff. Um, so that's another point that there might be a galactic federation or something. Another thing I talk about in the book is a, a, the free study, F-R-E-E, -E, which was conducted by Ray Hernandez, Rudy Shield from the Harvard-Smithsonian Institute, where they looked at over 3,000 people who claimed to have contact experiences. And many of them talked about knowledge of being brought to an ET council or being brought into such an ET council meeting. So I give that preface to say there have been a lot of different people talking about a galactic federation. And what the remote viewers at far, the Farsight Institute say is that the, Galact the galactic federation is benevolent, but because they want us to evolve effectively, their intervention is going to be limited. I think that's exactly right, to tell you the truth. They they don't want us... They They... they, they do... <laughs> They're, they're trying to keep us from understanding what's really going on, but they're trying to keep us from destroying ourselves. They, they, they're, they're, they're just trying to kind of, kind of steer us in the right direction without, um, without, without having under, us understand that's really what's going on. I really think that's true. So, so that's exactly right. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, it, it raises is... for me, Roberta, just, this is a meta question I have, which is, the topics we're talking about are so fundamental to our existence and the fact that they are mysterious, that in itself is a big deal that I am having a hard time reconciling. And I, I, one of the theories is that it's for our own evolution. And if we knew all the answers, then we wouldn't be able to evolve, but it is still a conundrum for me. I think you just said something really profound. Exactly right. I, I think if we did know all the answers, we would not be able to evolve. I think it's very important. This be a mystery to some extent, at least. <laughs> oh, wow. We get breadcrumbs. Yes, and we, we, we follow the breadcrumbs. Wow, that is such an important statement. Oh. And I think that's, that's why I'm being led to do all this work with and for Jesus, because um, it's time for him to lead 
all these people who trust and believe in him in a better direction than the direction they've been led so far. And I think that's what he's trying to do now. Wow, this is all <laughs> such deep stuff. Well, it, it feels to me, this is just my theory, that going back to the puzzle analogy, we are all like puzzle pieces in some kind of a cosmic puzzle and we have a unique piece and we're contributing in a unique way. Each and it's of us. like each of us. So we might have a different angle in which we're contributing, but it's all for a, this, a similar kind of evolutionary purpose. Yes, exactly. Exactly right. And each of us has that own, that little, that separate puzzle piece. Each of us is critical to the, to the puzzle. And we, we just have to, we just have to contribute as best we can. Exactly right. And also wow. to, to acknowledge that you are that puzzle piece. I mean, thinking about my own journey, I, I was probably always this puzzle piece, but I was not acknowledging that and not living in accordance with it. And that can lead to tons of anxiety and just feeling lost. Yes. And so there are probably many people in that situation, just like I was. And don't you feel at peace that you're going at least in the right direction? Much more at peace. I mean, there still is a lot of uncertainty to just, I left my job. I'm writing these books about crazy topics, but I, I, there's an inner, <laughs> a, a part yeah. of me that, that just knows it's the right thing to do and is not concerned, but there is the, the uncertainty of the Polaroid picture of my own life unfolding and not knowing how it's going to unfold. Right. Right. I, I, what my advantage is that I'm closer to the end of my life. And so therefore, my my earthly life. And so therefore, I have less worry about how it's going to shape up. I mean, when you've when you've when you've knitted more of your life, of the, you can sort of see how the the picture has shaped up, and it looks pretty good. So therefore, I have less of it to knit. But um, as I look at what you've knitted, I think you've done a pretty darn good job. So uh, it looks pretty good to me, I've got to say. Um, and uh, easy for me to say, right? But still, <laughs> I, 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 think you're, I think you're doing a heck of a job. I think you really are. Um, Thank you. There's nothing I would change in what I've done. I've seen a lot of mistakes, but I'm not going to go back and change the knitting now. And, and right. I think you don't need to either. I think you've done well. well what another, things, uh, I wanted, well, no, what, were you, what were you going to say? Go ahead. Yeah, I just mentioned this because it might resonate with your your audience in terms of their own journey, where I finish a project, and at the time when I'm really focused on the project, it's what all I care about. Like when I'm involved in one of these books, it is my whole life. And then when it's done, it's like part of the past, and I don't even feel an association with it in the same way. It's almost like it didn't happen. Yeah. And then there's the next thing to go on to, and maybe that's part of our journey as individuals too, is that we're we're contributing in different ways. And it's like when one thing is done, then that's part of us, but not fully part of us. And then it's on to the next. What, what you'll find though, is that you'll go back, that, that, the, that, that they'll, they'll come back to you. you it, it's almost like, like you're looping. Hmm. Um, it, it, you'll, you'll lose them, but then you'll, they'll come back and they'll, they'll tap you on the shoulder again. And they'll say, remember me? And you'll say, oh yeah. And you'll want to go back to them again. It's really a looping thing. Um, there, I'm, I'm right now working on several different things that are that have been part of my life from the past 
that are coming back to me and they're ripe again for me to, to work on them again. It's very, it's, they're, they're, I'm doing them all at once now. It's kind mm. of wonderful, actually. Mm. Um, they're all part of your life in the end, I think you're going to find. And, and they're, and they'll, they'll turn out to be useful to future things in, in ways you had not expected. That that's part of what's wonderful about all of this because it all it all fits together in ways you hadn't expected, um, and if you hadn't worked on other things earlier, different things earlier, that you wouldn't have realized how they fit together. For example, I I I was reading um, the the Bible cover to cover when I was in my early teens, and if I hadn't been doing that. Uh, I, I couldn't be doing some of the things I'm doing now. It, mm. it all it all fits together in the end. It's quite amazing. Yeah. But but um, one of the things I was going to ask you about that I don't think I asked you about before is Marduk um, the, and and the asteroid belt. Do, what, what, do you have any idea about how that fits together? I don't talk about in the, that in the book, but it is something I've come across. And I think what you're referring to are parts of ancient mythologies, which when I look at the ancient quote unquote mythologies now, I, I wonder if they're actual history and not mythology. So yeah. um, it could be from what I understand that there, there have been spiritual battles in the past and what we see in the universe and in the stars could be the result of some of those battles and explosions of stars. So, so that's been a speculation that the asteroid belt, which has an interesting location in between planets um, yeah. might have exploded in some kind of spiritual battle and now we call it the asteroid belt but it used to be something more congruent the 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 um story that i had come across was that it in fact was an advanced planet mm. of, of um called marduk and that that's why that's that's the name of a god that um that the that the Mardukians inadvertently destroyed themselves but that they before they did they had colonized mars and earth and that um when when that it became the asteroid belt when it destroyed itself and that uh the mardukians who were then isolated the ones on mars died out the ones on earth interbred with um or were able to mix their dna with uh, primitive um creatures on on earth and uh ended up becoming um you and me mm -hmm. <laughs> and we are mar we are marduckians well this That's is something I... that that i do talk about in the book this notion that we as humans are a hybrid of other species and might have even been a creation of other species where our dna was manipulated in the same way that we can manipulate all sorts of things in our, with our technology uh, that that yeah. could have been done to us and even francis crick who discovered the double helix structure of dna he speculated about what he called directed panspermia in, in the 1970s, which is this very idea that there that, that there is a seeding, basically, of the species. Well, I'm, I don't know anything about any of that, and I actually I may have come across have come across that in, in your book and had and speculated about that. Maybe that's why I made that note. But um, all of these things are, you don't, you know, I don't know. And I guess we don't know. And we probably, one of the things that it may be interesting uh, to look into after we graduate is whether or not uh, more is known about that. And there, there, there are libraries.
libraries there where we can find out all of this stuff. Uh, they don't necessarily want us to know it when we're here, but there's no harm in our knowing it when we're there. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, DNA is a big mystery. I mean, it's a relatively recent discovery for our civilization, and it, it seems to be the blueprint for what we are as physical beings and what we're able to maybe even receive from other dimensions. I've heard that speculation. So it, that that is feels like an area ripe for lots of discovery. <laughs> right. <laughs> I just, the thing is, it's a, such a fun word to, to just say anyway, <laughs> to be able to be, I mean, you would expect it to be an elegant word, but it's not an elegant word at all. But we know that the asteroid belt was something and its position is rather interesting um, right there in the middle of our solar system. Yeah. What What do you want people to think about and know? The people who are listening today, what do you want them to take away from our conversation? I hope it it helps to expand one's view of the reality that we're in. And that's been my personal journey because it, with an expanded view of this reality, I find that it, it puts one's own life in a different context. And how that could be helpful in your own life as a listener might, might differ by the person, but something seems to happen with this expanded perspective. Thinking about things you'd never thought about before and thinking about the possibilities that might exist that you had never imagined might exist really expands your mind in ways that you had not imagined your mind could expand. I think it also just generally helps with critical thinking because it's in my own experience caused me to question many assumptions that I had just taken for granted about everything. And now I'm always asking the question, well, how do I know that thing to be true for sure? Well, I learned it in school. Where, where did they get that information from? And then I realized that the assumptions are not as solid always as I initially believed. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> Isn't that wonderful to know? Well, please do send me your latest book because I think maybe there are some things that you and I can delve into there, which would be wonderful to talk about. For sure. And um, unfortunately, we've come to the end of our time. I'm so glad that I've had you back, Mark. I so enjoy talking with you. And you I so... always enjoy it as well, Roberta. Thank you. <laughs> it's <laughs> you fun. Do make, you, you, you make my mind sort of feel stretched, which I love. I love that feeling. <laughs> Mark's website is markgober.com, and um, he's always so fascinating to talk with. And um, all of his books will be in the materials for this interview. I, I urge you to read all of his books, including the ones that we don't talk about here, because he writes in a nice, clear, entertaining, really light and entertaining way, and that it, everything that he writes is fun to read. Thank you, Mark, so much. Thank you again. Because unfortunately, we've come to the end of our time, and this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. I'm so happy you could be with us today. Please never forget, you are a powerful, eternal being. You never began, and you never will end. And when you really, really get what that means, it changes everything in your life for the better. Next week, we'll be talking with Father Nathan Castle. He'll be with us for the sixth time. And Father Nathan single-handedly changed my whole view of the Catholic Church because Father Nathan is a Dominican priest. 
And with the full knowledge and approval of his church superiors, he helps stuck souls cross over. His two books are Afterlife Interrupted, Helping Stuck Souls Cross Over, and Afterlife Interrupted, Helping Stuck Souls Cross Over, book two. They're terrific, really enjoyable, very accurate, and I recommend his books highly. His work is remarkable, and it's desperately needed. And you are going to just love Father Nathan. He's adorable as he could possibly be. So please, please be sure to join us next week. This week, we've been talking with Mark Gober, who has been with us for the sixth time. Mark has made the most amazing transformation in his career that I've ever seen. He went from Princeton investment banker, blue as blue can be, to ambassador for the truth. And I admire him more than I can ever tell you. His first terrific book was An End to Upside Down Thinking, Dispelling the Myth that the Brain Produces Consciousness and the Implications for Everyday Life. He followed that book with An Upside Down and an end to upside down living, reorienting our consciousness to better live and save the human species, right down the same wonderful alley. His third book was an end to upside down liberty, turning traditional political thinking on its head to break free from enslavement. Wow, that is that is a heck of a title. And since, but we don't do unfortunately politics on Seek Reality, we, so we had to skip that one. His fourth book was an end to upside down contact. UFOs, aliens, and spirits, and why their ongoing interaction with human civilization matters. Then, of course, we we we, we couldn't do that one, we, and unfortunately, we couldn't. I thought do his fifth book just out, um, but I think we maybe can. So we're going to talk about that. I'm I'm hoping we can do that one because I do love talking with Mark. I think that he he's he is someone who does what I think we all should do, which is to study all of reality and put all those puzzle pieces together. I love talking with him. We will have him back. And as I say, all of his books are easy to read. They're enjoyable to read. To The, the ones I have read are perfectly accurate in areas which where I think most people are afraid to tread. And Mark is wonderful. So Please, please join us next time we have Mark on. And of course, it's time once again to mention Seek Reality Online, which is your one-stop resource for all things death and the afterlife. Just go to seekreality.com. Start to learn for yourself what really is going on and the fact that you truly are a powerful and most of all, you are an eternal being. It's impossible for you ever to die. Seekreality.com. You can begin today to learn that your reality, your reality really is eternal. And of course, I have my own nonfiction books, Liberating Jesus, My Thomas, The Fun of Dying, The Fun of Staying in Touch, The Fun of Growing Forever, The Fun of Living Together, and The Fun of Loving Jesus, Embracing the Christianity that Jesus Taught. It's his turn now, and he is going to take his turn. For young children, there's the fun of meeting Jesus. You can order all these books through bookstores on Amazon.com or on BarnesandNoble.com, and most of the adult books, except the most recent one, also are available as audiobooks. If you want to talk about with me about anything at all, just contact me through the green contact block on robertagrimes.com, but you've got to give me your... Once in a while, people will email me. I'll write a good a good response. It'll bounce because they didn't give me their correct email address. So make, please make sure you give me yours. And you can always listen each week for free through the, the free app that's available anywhere free apps are sold. 
or just Seek Reality is available each week wherever podcasts are found, free podcasts. And meanwhile, this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Please go out and enjoy and make the most of this coming week in our one reality, always knowing that you are a powerful, eternal being, and you in particular in this whole universe, you are infinitely loved. You've been listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Roberta blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Join us every week as we explore what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about the one reality we all share. Knowing the truth changes everything.